This message was presented at the GYC 2015 conference called Chosen Faithful in Louisville, Kentucky. For other resources like this, visit us online at www.gycweb.org. Father in heaven, Lord, thank you today for resurrecting us to newness of life in this new year for a new start for you. And we ask, Lord, that you would uh, work powerfully in our own lives, in our own communities, in our own churches, in our own cities. Um, and we desire to see your glory revealed through uh, health ministry. Whatever we eat, whatever we drink, whatever we do, we desire to do all to the glory of God this new year. So bless us as we talk about these uh, questions. In Christ's name, amen. First question. Um, how does extreme pathway to health or pathway to health fit with the general conference strategic planning overall? Now, lest you yawn when I say general conference strategic planning, this happens to be a very exciting plan, but maybe Dr. Lewis, one of them, can take this question. Fortunately, this question was, was turned in yesterday. Um, how many of you are familiar with uh, the General Conference Plan total member involvement? Anyone familiar with that? I see one hand, maybe two. Okay, um, I'll play you just a little, a little snippet um, of a video that the General Conference put together uh, that kind of addresses this issue. issue. I'm not going to play the whole thing, but, um, but just the beginning of it. And then another little portion of it. Did you want to add something to that? Yeah, so total member involvement is exactly what the word actually says. Total member involvement. That means every single one of us, just like we were talking about yesterday, whether we're little tiny children, whether we're big adults, whether we're anything in between, women, children, men, everybody has a role to play. So how does that, I understand, is that your question, Don? How, how do we each play into that? And Dr. Chris is going to show that video. Right, while he's, uh, while he's uh, getting that up on the screen with mirror imaging, um, here's another question. How do you get doctors and nurses to be a part of a Pathways event when you're just a normal, non-medical person? Well, I mean, if you don't want to take that, I can, but would you like to, would you like to take that? <laughs> I'm just asking the questions. I'm not supposed to get the okay. answers. Okay. Well, you, you, can help, you can help out, too. So, um, actually, the way to get anyone involved is really to show them miracle stories. Show them the video. That is, that is one of the very first things that we recommend. So, again, this is for events that are Pathway to Health events. Recommend showing the people what has taken place before. They will get excited. Let them hear stories from other people who volunteered. That is the best way to get people excited about an event. You know, the very first time that Leela and I actually uh, uh, talked about this whole Pathway event was right after I showed a video. And I had showed this uh, video of, of, of atheists who were reaching out to their community to help. And I said, look, the atheists are helping the community. What about... Adventists doing that, and then these two doctors came up and says, "Yes, we have to do that. Would you be on the board?" You know, so um, and uh, that was a very interesting first board meeting. It was it was very <laughs> interesting, and it was all trying to get people involved and fired up. Um, 
But yeah, you just you share the testimony, and um, I tell you what, you get them to talk to a provider, like a like a doctor or someone else. Doctors like to talk to doctors. Um, you know, a long time ago, I learned when I was doing health evangelism that um, that uh, there's a certain bond between professionals, and and then there's other relationships. So I, I would just have them talk to someone like Leela. She she loves phone calls. I call her all the time. Next question, are, are there plans to go international with Pathways to Health? I mean, there's just not one path here in America. What about paths everywhere? Very, very good question. And the answer to that, I would say, are actually, we, this is our board and Anne over here are on the Pathway to Health board. We have a number of other people as well. And actually, this has been discussed quite a number of times. And yes, we are planning, by God's grace, in his timing, um, to, to go overseas as well. Good question. All right. Uh, let's come back to our, our, our initial question was, how does the General Conference strategic plan fit in overall with this uh, pathway event? And we're talking about total member participation. The General Conference is launching a new visionary bold initiative called Total Member Involvement. I believe with all my heart that Jesus is coming very soon. Every church member can do something. That's what Total Member Involvement is all about. minimum size. There is no minimum size. I think that everywhere that Jesus went, whether there were 10 lepers walking down the street or there was a city of thousands and thousands, Jesus was there for the people. Amen? Amen. So there is no minimum size. If you are willing and you are able, God will have a place for you. But specifically, uh, what, remember what we talked about yesterday, the mini clinic model? That is the, the model that you would want to take to a small town. So again, we talked about the two options that uh, Pathway to Health offers, whether um, it be the mini clinic mobile health and healing van, uh, which is essentially a mobile van that has a couple dental units. Again, this is for smaller communities, a conference, a union may purchase one, et cetera, and then they would continue to rove. We recommend on Sundays. It's a great way to bring people out, you know? You don't have to worry about setup. It's, it's a great way to bring them to your churches. And then the other way is actual purchased equipment so that all you have to do is make sure you've got some providers, a do doctor, dentist, somebody, whatever you've got in your local area to, to actually do it. So again, if you have a family practice, if you have a dentist, whatever it is, you can do it, no matter the size. 
One of the things that really amazed me about San Antonio and that your best pathway to health was that total involvement, 1,500 people involved, ministering to the needs of over 6,100 individuals that came. Many of them stayed all night in line. And as I watched what God did, it was amazing. Let me make one comment. Sorry, Don. Um, the, the, the point there is that uh, at an event like this, you know, how many of you are medical professionals of, of any sort, a therapist, a doctor, a nurse, something like that? How many of you are not medical doctors of, or, or dentists or anything? There are two-thirds, about two-thirds of our volunteers of that 1,500 had absolutely zero medical training, but we everybody there had a job and everybody felt like they were useful and they were useful it's not like we're just like plugging people in to stand along the wall or something we need people christ needs you need non-medical people to come out and meet these people and interact with them in a loving way that gets them through this 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 amazing system that god has set up and so you have a way to do medical missionary work even though you may not have any medical training or any medical background whatsoever
Texas. Nursing? Texas. Uh, medical? What? What? Nursing. nursing. Okay. So what do we say to her? She, 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 you may function in a role other than where you're licensed. I don't know if they uh, have a reciprocity uh, arrangement. I know some Wait. states, they allow people from other states to come in and serve. I don't know. For the for the for the for the video, go ahead and answer. Okay, so let me just say that on the mic. There is a, a, a possibility to uh, from other states to get reciprocity. You need to do that rapidly. Go to the website, follow the link for reciprocity for your for your nursing license, and it's a 60-day period, so get there soon. Every specialty, regardless of your specialty, the information is listed on the website. So Pathway to Health volunteer.org. Please go to the website if you haven't done so already, and you can learn the specifics as far as California is concerned for licensure, whether that be respiratory therapy, physicians, dentists, etc. Um, we're taking by paper. If, what, what is your question? Sorry, if it's directly related to this. No, no, this, these are temporary, so, so what we're talking about right now is temporary licensure. Everywhere Pathway to Health goes, just like we mentioned yesterday, as far as malpractice, credentialing, part of the credentialing is ensuring that all of our providers are appropriately licensed. Obviously, this only applies to medical people. Obviously, non-medical people, we want you, we need you, but you don't have to worry about licensure. Um, but for the medical individuals, credentialing, this is the part, what I said yesterday, how important it is from a, from a logistics perspective that we have appropriate credentialing. And all that information is on the website. Okay, so along with that, and you have actually alluded to it, but do we really need malpractice insurance? Another question, are you covered by malpractice insurance as a provider? Um, so uh, maybe you could help us with these malpractices. So all of our providers uh, are listed. We list your name on our malpractice policy, which is an adequate, more than adequate policy uh, for you, but also large enough to cover uh, the church. Obviously, when, when people look at an organization doing something, uh, it's a litigious society, you know, when somebody, uh, you know, has something bad happen or perceives that they have something bad happen at a hospital, they don't just sue the doctor, they sue the hospital, et cetera. Uh, so we have a policy which protects the, the church uh, as well as all the providers which are listed on that policy. And, and that said, this is not to, for, for meanness purposes in any way, shape, or form, but if someone was going to use the name Pathway to Health because, you know, A, it's a trademark name, B, we live in a litigious society, and C, most importantly, we're Seventh-day Adventists and we want to uplift Christ. We don't want anything to be done non-decently and in non-order. That said, you, you cannot use the name Your Best Pathway to Health unless you follow what we're saying as far as malpractice and credentialing. And again, we have all of that for you. So just to follow up question on that, then uh, in a small town situation where you're doing a small clinic, is in these mini clinics, uh, can they be covered by the malpractice with that? Like they, you know, is there an office or someone there sitting there waiting for them to call? There is someone sitting there waiting for them to call. 1-8844-PATHWAY. Um, there is someone there waiting for you and your call. 
So yes, in answer to your question, um, and yes, there is an application process for an event, whether it's a small event or a mega event. So again, essentially, that's what you're here for. I hope all of you guys signed in. Did we get everybody signed in? The sign-in, again, is for specifically to, to get your manual, but part of that process of becoming eligible to have a Your Best Pathway to Health event is you need to go through the training which you've been going through for the last several hours, number one. Number two, you need to attend at least one mega event. There is nothing better for training purposes than actually living it and experiencing it, okay? And number three, following the manual. Okay, so uh, again, good news. Even if it's a small clinic, you can uh, take advantage all of the uh, experience and credentialing and our, our malpractice type things if you go through the process of training for pathway event. Another question um, by this this, uh, this person who wrote a number of questions on one piece of paper. Uh, <laughs> what are you expected to do in terms of procedures and writing prescriptions as a provider? What are you expected to do? Sure. Um, from a procedure standpoint, uh, most of the procedures are done, well, it depends what you mean by procedure. And I don't know who asked this question, if you have a particular area of procedure, um, if they're like biopsies and things, we have most of the surgical equipment over in the surgery department. And for, uh, for flow of patients purposes, um, usually we just send, if it's a procedure, a lesion that needs to be removed or whatever, that usually happens in the surgery department. Um, so patients are kind of triaged in that direction. If it's a women's health procedure, we have a fully equipped women's health uh, department that does everything from well woman exams and pap smears to, uh, to even leaps and um, hysteroscopy and... He's talking about my specialty right now. <laughs> hey, <the> administrator. <laughs> Go ahead. So, uh, so those procedures are usually doled out, you know, to the different departments. Um, and then as far as prescriptions go, we do have a, a fully um, uh, equipped pharmacy where the patient can not only just get a, they don't just get a, go home with a piece of paper, they go home with a, with a appropriate bottle of medication, whether that be an antibiotic or an antihypertensive or, or whatever it is. So it's an in-house pharmacy. We don't do any out, out prescriptions at all. We did that in San Antonio. We don't want to do that anymore. Um, we, we, we have not done that since then. So in-house, we have exact, we have a formulary. All the providers have a list of the formulary. They know exactly what's on it, and that's what we provide. Anything so extraneous to that, they'll have to get from an outside provider. So one other question, uh, in the mini-clinic, how is that? A mini-clinic is dependent upon the providers that you have available. And it's dependent upon the supplies that you have available. So you have to, you're going, you will have to make the mini clinic meet what you have. In other words, if you have one dentist but no doctors and no nurses, you're not going to be having a pharmacy and you're not going to be having a surgery unit, right? You have what you have, and and that's <laughs> that. And you know, and, and actually, that leads me to a really. John, can we involve uh, your Apple anywhere? Can I ask you a question? I know you're the moderator. Yes, uh, you can. Oh, okay. A later date. Sorry. This very interesting question came in. Oh, follow-up questions. Yes. Okay, that's a. The the question is, how do you follow up? on the follow-up results. In other words, the PATH results, the PAP smears, et cetera, et cetera. Do I get to have a miracle story? 
Antonio, and I'm going to actually just really condense it down because we've got so many wonderful questions. Um, in San Antonio, in direct answer to your question, we have an entire follow-up system in place. In fact, the head of the pathology department at University Health Systems, which was the major health system that was cooperating to provide us the path pathology reads on our pap smears and path specimens. Uh, the person who was in charge of that was quite concerned ahead of time. Are you guys really going to be following up on this? You know, physicians, medical professionals, this is something that's obviously very important to us. She was particularly concerned with the pap smears. And I said, well, ma'am, I'm a gynecologist, and I can guarantee you our women's health department is very, very particular about making sure that every single pap smear is followed through. Well, I don't know about that. What if you end up having something called high-grade, you know, lesions or precancer, basically? What about cancer? What about cervical cancer? How is this going to follow up? Ma'am, I guarantee you. We follow up on everything. I promise. I promise I personally make sure that every single result is followed up. So she seemed somewhat relieved at that point. Uh, ended up, she came down on Thursday in San Antonio. She was so excited about what she saw. She came up to me. She said, you know, my niece doesn't have any insurance whatsoever, and her family hasn't been able to see a doctor in over five years. Is there any way that you can get your fam my family members in? I said, absolutely. We'll get them pre-banded for tomorrow. She sent her family members down. They got seen. Praise the Lord. They got all the care that they needed. And about four weeks later, I got a batch of PATH reports, and in keeping you know, close contact. Again, our, our gynecologists, our surgeons, whatever the specialty is, they are responsible for that particular department's path reports. So the department head of that particular department is responsible to make sure that those results are follow up. Four weeks later, I get this result, and it was a precancer lesion. We had quite a number, actually. We had cervical cancer and everything in between. And it was, it was a report that came later. We got the initial reports, and then later on, I got this additional report. And so I immediately called the primary doctor who we had been referring to there in San Antonio. And while I was on the phone with him and my colleague, another um, gynecologist or women's health provider, was calling the patient in Spanish to tell her she needed to follow up with the primary care provider that I was talking to on the phone, I get a phone call at the exact same time from this woman, the woman at University Health System, the, patho the aunt, the pathologist lady there in the pathology department. And I said, you know what, to the doctor, I said, Dr. So-and-so, I'm going to have to hang up with you right now. I need to get this call because it's from the path department. I immediately flipped over, and she goes, Dr. Lewis? I said, yes. She said, this is, you know, so-and-so from University Health Systems. I said, yes. How, how is it going? I, want, I was actually just about to call you to let you know that we were personally following up on all of these precancer lesions. She said, I already know. I said, what do you mean you already know? She said, I just got a call from my niece. Dr. Lewis, do you remember that patient? The patient that I, that when I came down on Thursday and I told you my niece and my nephew and my family had not had any health care for over five years? I said, oh, yes, yes, and we were able to get you in. She said, the patient that your doctor just called, that's my niece, Dr. Lewis, that's my niece. She said, she has pre-cancer. I said, wow. She goes, she said this, she goes, there is a God and your system works. There is a God and your system works. Had you not come to my city, had you not done what you did, my niece, and she probably very well would have gone on to develop full-blown cervical cancer and even possibly died. She said she would have died, and had you guys not come, this would never have happened. So praise the Lord, the system does work. 
as a very zip forward by God's grace. That family followed all the way through. They came to the health information centers. They came to all the follow-up courses. And by God's grace, the, hus the patient and the husband of the patient were baptized into the Seventh-day Adventist Church. Amen? So, yes, there's a follow-up. I would say that's the case, and actually that kind of leads to another thought that, you know, as you're making your pre-work and you're making your, you've, you've got two aspects of the follow-up, right? And, and they're both important, but as we read yesterday from the Spirit of Prophecy, the health never supersedes the gospel, amen? The health does not, I mean, we don't separate them, <laughs> but we don't, we don't minimize the gospel in order to uplift the health. Okay, so that's really important, but it, from the perspective of the health follow-up, it is very important as, as, a, as a physician, as a caring, appropriate provider, absolutely important, but you must be careful. You must be careful as you're making these contacts, as you're making these relationships with various city governments, etc., that it does not become either an ecumenical movement or a government-sponsored event. Amen? Along the lines, uh, something like you know, a big event, especially a mega event, but the larger the event, the more expensive you know it gets. It's about $100 a person that's treated uh, for the budget. And 
so you want to get sponsorship, and so we have um, we have sponsorship from many different organizations, and we list them. We thank them, obviously, and we have like a banner that has like the, uh, you know each of the sponsors listed. But we don't. Um, how do I say? When it's promoted, it's promoted as Pathway to Health, a Seventh Day Adventist event. In other words, it's not a co-event with a hospital system or a uh, a company or anything else. We want to lift up God's name, Seventh-day Adventist, and we want everybody there to kind of be putting forward that face, the Seventh-day Adventist face. Go ahead. You're gonna say something. And, and that actually, again, that's in the manual. You're going to want this manual, but that's a branding issue, a branding question, and your best pathway to health, the board has made a, a several decision, and for this very reason, there is no co-branding, although that said, everyone is listed in alphabetical order. Nobody feels less important than anybody else as far as the co-sponsors, but there's no extra branding. So in other words, no shirts, t-shirts, all that, because we have formulary. The answer is you need to go through the process application. Apply. Go to the website and apply. <laughs> Manage those. 
those who are turned away. Go ahead. <laughs> By the way, this happened in, uh, in uh, Oakland, San Francisco. There, there were a number of people turned away. And this also happened in... Um, San Antonio. San Antonio. And... Um, thousands and thousands. Thousands of people turned away. So how do, how do, we, how do we manage that? He's giving it back to me. So um, first of all, it's never a very happy thing for any of us, um, whether that be for the patients or whether that be for any of us. Uh, we do our absolute best to try to get as many people in as possible. There are three lines, and again, this is why coming to a mega event before you do your mini clinic, we're not trying to be extra, oh, having you extra rules as far as before you can be hold an ambassadorship and hold a pathway to health event. The reason is because you learn all these principles when you're there. So basically there's three lines. There's an eye care line, a dental line, and again it all depends on what size your mini clinic is. So what I'm telling you is a mega clinic, okay? So there's the eye care, the dental, and the medical line. The medical patients all, I think they always have been seen, except for in Spokane, we actually ran out of time to see the medical patients. Um, dental and eye care, um, unfortunately, we're not able to see all those patients. And it's based on how many providers you have and how much equipment you have, et cetera. So what we try to do is there's all kinds of other wonderful services, massage, hydrotherapy, haircuts. That's the story that I gave you yesterday about the tailor, getting your you know, clothing, free clothing. We, we would like new free clothing. We want the patients to feel like we're doing something very special for them. So we get, you know, co-sponsors, etc. That said, what we do is we try to get as many people in the door to at least take part in one of those other services. When we shut off dental, well, there's eye care, there's medical, there's all these other services inside. Eventually, the services are completely shut off for the day. And for those patients, um, the chaplains go outside. They're always there in assistance with security, and we've never had a, a major issue thus far in, in as big a cities have we been in. And we provide them with a bag of literature um, that, and also some other invitations to our health information centers that take place at our local churches. So we try to include that. Now, if you go with a mini clinic model, which is what we're really advising, particularly in that post-follow-up, you can tell the patients that's one of those benefits again, and that's one of the main reasons we're raising money for the health van, is because even though you missed out on your, you know, dental work today, Mr. Jones, if you come XYZ time at which location of these health information centers, you can get your dental work done at that location. And then one other thing we try to do is, um, well, two things. One is the best way to not have to turn people away is for you to volunteer so we can have more services available. <laughs> and then... And get your church members at home to volunteer and so forth and, you know, email your friends and so forth. But uh, the other thing is we try to, um, something we learned, you know, everybody's learning, study to know the best methods, Sister White wrote in the book Evangelism. In San Francisco, uh, when we had to close dental, and we said, oh, I'm sorry, dental is closed, and, and those people um, pretty much left. They, you could, it was hard to get them to change their mind and come see a doctor when they were there to see a dentist, but... We kind of changed our strategy um, as we went along to try to find ways to encourage people to come in uh, and, and just see what other services are available, especially medical. And we say, well, we're not sure if you can get dental. We might be able to get you in dental, uh, but why don't you come in and, and take advantage of some of these other things while you're waiting? Then they come in and they say, oh, wow, there's all this other stuff. And, and even if they end up not getting dental, they still end up going home with, the, with feeling very, very appreciative towards the Seventh-day Adventist Church because of the other things they got. But, of course, that's not deceptive because dental hasn't been cut off at that point. Once dental's cut off, dental's cut off. Okay, let me just stop 
another question here. How do you how do you uh, um, know when to stop the interfering patient? Well, I pretty much look at my providers, ask them how many patients they think they can stay and see, and I don't go beyond that in terms of pre-rider care. So, um, you know, other people might say, well, look, I want to wait anyway, and that's fine. And then when you give them a massage, they can see some other different things while they're while they're listening. But if people So they, uh, they, they did very well with that, and they actually, uh, a number of them began Bible studies uh, as a result of the loving care of that clinician. It wasn't even a part of our clinic, but they recommend it. So if you can, you know, sometimes the world gives you some kind of some follow-up idea right then, but uh, then the next clinic, I talked to them in advance. I said, look, if you have a couple trailers, we can take them on. Now, I'll tell you one other interesting story from San Antonio, and I, I, I believe this is accurate because I heard it from one of the So that, that surgeon ended up adopting um, a similar situation. You know, y some things take longer than you than you think. Some of the surgical procedures that were done at Central Texas Medical Center uh, for the patients from San Antonio uh, took longer. There was there were complicated cases. There were laparoscopic hysterectomies that were performed, and some of them had lots of scar tissue and took longer and so forth. So uh, we weren't able to get all of the patients through the surgical schedule. We got 44 cases done, praise God, in two days. But uh, there were several hernias that couldn't get done. The chief of surgery picked up those hernias pro bono and did them himself uh, after the event. And then, as Don said, the hospital has adopted an annual free surgery day going forward every year. So it's just when, when God works, he just kind of keeps spinning it bigger and bigger. And so God is good. Yeah, and you know, here's the thing about a pathway event. Oh, raise your arms, guys. Raise your arms. Yay, I got two arms up there. see whether or not you're ambulatory here. And then keep them up if you're going to stay there. Anyway, what we discovered on these big pathway events was that there's like this this wave of appreciation and knowledge that just goes down and around the city. Like, I'll give you an example. It's a pathway or it's just called Wrigley. It's in San Francisco. I went down the coast to visit some relatives like the next day. And it was like 100 miles away. And they were like, we knew you were here. <laughs> they walked through the front door. And I've never been to these relatives' house before. They talked to them on the phone. This is relatively interesting. So I, I said, they said, we 
definitely need that here. Yeah. You know. um, so what happens with these big events, and this will help you against small events, is you show people what happened in these big events, and those are some, the ones in your small events. Okay, a couple other questions here. How do you encourage healthy, a healthy way of living when many people don't uh, have uh, good food choices, are pressed to find healthy food where they are? Well, um, you know, in our lifestyle um, training uh, uh, section, we definitely talk about, about that. Um, you know, people are, are really um, not up on what they're down on. What, can I say one little additional thing on that one? Sure, <laughs> uh, we also have <laughs> we also have food demonstration uh, where the late while the patients are waiting in the various waiting areas, food demonstration is actually taking place right in front of them, so that the meal by God's grace that we serve during the noontime hour to the patients and the volunteers, the same noontime meal. They're actually getting the information of how to make those meals simply, very simply, very inexpensively by the food demonstration people, in addition to all the awesome stuff that takes place in lifestyle. Okay, we've got a lot of questions out there, so what I'm going to ask for, and I know this is hard, uh, is short, pithy answers. Sorry. I think the question is, what do you do as far as, are you getting at what do you do as far as non-Adventist organizations' involvement? Right, right. Okay. They want, they want the credit. I mean, look, they open their facility, they open their doors, and now you're just saying pathways. You mean self-centered Seventh-day Adventists. Actually, that's never been a problem at all. In my short, pithy answer, it has never been a problem at all. What you do is you involve them from the perspective of these large, major institutions we need supplies. You give them a list of exactly what you need. Um, hospital so-and-so, we need XYZ supplies. Hospital so-and-so, we need path reports read. Um, institution so-and-so, we need this. But you, what you don't want it to become, what you don't want it to become, and that's why with your association with the Pathway to Health board individual who is your associated person, your contact individual, they can help guide you through all of these questions. Yeah.
What about non-Adventist participation? That's one question here on this one uh, sheet. I don't know which one it comes from, Marriott. And this one here, um, non-Adventist members of every community, such as the firefighters, the local soldiers, um, and, uh, the, and they want your desire to be involved. How do we engage community leaders and so keep our outreach focused? So how about non-Adventist participation? That is the hardest, most difficult consideration of the whole process. And this is just me talking as serious as I possibly can to a very, very, very difficult question. Um, we are Seventh-day Adventists. We spent two days, or it seems like two days, four hours yesterday talking about the basis for that. Amen? We are Seventh-day Adventists. We have a message, the right arm of the third angel's message, which we know what the third angel's message is. Amen? Brothers and sisters, we cannot expect that same requirement of individuals who don't know what the third angel's message is. It's not fair. It's not right. Is it fair? Is it right? But that said, that said, there is a wonderful opportunity for those individuals who have already become accustomed in one way or the other to the Seventh-day Adventist Church. Let's say they're the dentist's assistant and, or my nurse, one of my nurses. I desperately invited her to come. We've been studying the Bible with her for quite some time. It's an awesome opportunity for them to, to see Seventh-day Adventism in action. But it must be done very carefully. It must be done very prayerfully. We do not forbid non-Adventists from participating but it must be done very, very carefully. Yeah, I was just saying, we kind of, we kind of operate in kind of a right there kind of situation, you know, uh, where you don't want to have um, the whole family belong to people that are unaware of what the mission is. So you have to figure out what that is. The, man, the manual vote, the, our board voted on between um, 5 to 10% non-Adventist. And again, that's not like a, you're the 10%, out you go. But, but the, it's the idea, it's a principle. And the, one of the ways that we delicately handle that is um, that we have a couple of different websites. We have a public website, which is pathwaytohealth.org. And if anytime we're talking to the city or to other, other kind of public organizations or a sponsor, et cetera, we refer them to the public website, which does not have a link where they can volunteer. And then we have a volunteer website, which we distribute to Adventists, which is pathwaytohealthvolunteer.org. So, and it has, you know, sign up for LA on there. So, um, we just try to sort of not make that uh, as much of a problem as we And I, I know we're running out of time, but to me, honestly, this is the most important issue. Honestly and truthfully, this is the most important issue. We saw over and over and over and over, you cannot separate the medical from the gospel evangelism. This, we, we cannot go down an ecumenical path, you guys. Jesus doesn't want us to do that, not because we're somehow special or more better than anyone else but because it's what Jesus has called us to do. This message was recorded at the GYC 2015 conference called Chosen Faithful in Louisville, Kentucky. GYC, a supporting ministry of the Seventh-day Adventist Church, seeks to inspire young people to be Bible-based, Christ-centered, and soul-winning Christians. To download or purchase other resources like this, visit us online at www.gycweb.org.